Anthony has a new book coming out, Unstuck, a life manual on how to be more creative, overcome your obstacles, and get shit done. Check out anthonymindel.com unstuck to sign up for updates, promotions, and enter to win a free signed book. Hi, everyone. I'm Anthony Mindel. Welcome to In The Moment, a podcast about acting, art, and life, and that tricky little thing we're all after but rarely find ourselves in, the moment. In this series, I talk to all kinds of creatives and friends about the joys and the ah, heartache and challenges of acting, writing, producing, and getting out of our own ways to be the creative channels we all are. For more information, go to anthonymile.com, and you can also find us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Okay, I hope you enjoy. On today's episode, Tony chats with actress Andrea Bordeaux about trusting you're on the right path, having the courage to step into the unknown, and how important empathy is as an actor. Okay. Hello, everybody. You can maybe hear the uh, trash garbage trucks going by. It's a beautiful soundtrack of our lives <laughs> as I do another recording of In The Moment podcast with my guest today, Andrea. Or do you go by Andrea? I like that, maybe. Andrea Bordeaux. It's like a fine wine. Um, it's, it's Andrea. It's Andrea. It's perfectly acceptable, too. I'm one of those Andreas that really doesn't care. <laughs> I, I, it is. Andrea, Andrea. It's so true. Like, Andrea, yes. So Andrea Bordeaux, maybe because your last name is so, it sounds so French, you feel like you want to go with a softer Andrea sound. That's exactly it. <laughs> Andrea, is that a made up name or is that your real last name? That's my real last name. Because that is an actor name. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, I always say it's one of the, my, my last name is one of the best things my dad ever gave me. <laughs> wow. Was he French or is he French? Part French. So my what what I know I'm actually um, I just recently uh, found a genealogist okay. to, to my 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 distant ancestry, and what I do know is that my great grandfather um, was adopted. Whoa! So that's okay. actually where the last name comes from. It's not it's not actually a like a blood name. It's an adopted name. Okay. Which I wow. thought was interesting. That is interesting. So wow, I've never done. I've done twenty three and Me, but I've never done Ancestry dot com. But do you know twenty three and Me? Yeah. yeah, I'm not. I'm not doing like the like the DNA test. I'm doing. Oh. I'm, I'm hiring an actual genealogist to trace the records. Whoa! And, and have you? What have else have you found out yet? Or is it still there's? I, I haven't even started the process yet. I'm just doing the preliminary work, and I'm collecting like the necessary information that they need. And honestly, they don't they don't need a ton of information to get started. Um, but yeah, the the process hasn't even really begun yet. But I'm 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 excited to see to see what they pull up. Isn't it fascinating? Like, I mean, I'm quite a bit older than you, but as I get older, like our histories, like where. But I'm even thinking like millennial history like where we come from like I read this book this summer um called um kindred and it's all about our neanderthal cousins and mothers and fathers and which is weird because after the fact I found out through my 23 and me I have more we like we all have like I think the average population has at least two percent neanderthal in them 
but I have more Neanderthal genes than most people. It said, so it makes sense because I'm obsessed with the Neanderthals. I really am obsessed. And I was really upset the other day because, you know, when somebody said something about, I don't know what happened with Joe Biden. I think he said it or somebody was talking about, well, that was a very Neanderthal response, like basically brutish cavemen, women. But that's like actually not, that's like some old narrative we need to get rid of because Neanderthals were quite sophisticated and artistic and intelligent. Sadly, Homo sapiens part, partly wiped them out. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> so I mean, it speaks to like, what are we? But anyway, sorry, I'm going off on. So let's talk about you. Let's talk about you. So some of you may know Andrea from, I didn't know you did. Jesus, you were like on uh, CSI, right? CSI, no, NCIS, NCIS Los Angeles, uh, playing Haley, special agent Harley Hidoko. Yeah. (laughs) I love it. It's so, such a right role for you because you always had your shit together. (laughs) <laughs> it was it was it was very much um in alignment with my my Virgo rising type A control. Yes. <laughs> Whoa. I for sure. Yes, I mean that's what we would always talk about in class cuz your work is always been so solid and real but always like just like for all of us, you know, like for me in life, like my boyfriend and I were laughing last night. I was like I've let, I'm letting go of like control, aren't I? I'm letting go. And like, we talked about that, like how much a relationship can change or make you realize like, whoa, where I control things or where it's, and I get it because we do it to feel safe or to be protected or to make sure we're okay. And you know what I mean? So, but so let's talk about it. So you're, you've just been like steady Eddie. You've been like, (laughs) right? It doesn't feel that way. It doesn't feel that way Whoa. to me, honestly. Really? It's, yeah, it's it's been a, a, a journey for sure. Lots of, I mean, peaks Up and, and downs, yes. Everything else, the ups and downs. But, um, like, looking back, of course, I can see how everything is in a perfect alignment. But sometimes when you're in the eye of the storm, you don't realize that everything is happening in perfect order. You know what I'm saying? Yes. And so... Um, I, like right now, I feel like steady Eddie. I feel like I've kind of like finally settled into a place where I am grounded. I have a greatly expanded awareness. I'm able to look at things from an observational point rather than kind of being sucked into the vacuum of it. Um, so it's been it's been a beautiful, um, I would say like four or five years that I've had. Well, I guess when you're in it, I'm just looking from the outside in, but like, you know, like in class, a lot of times, you know, I always feel like if actors are getting callbacks and you are also working, like, right, if you're, if you're getting producer sessions, you're getting callbacks and you're working, like everything's in order. It's, you do not have to hit the panic button, but it's just, it takes a while to catch up, like with the rest of the world, so to speak, or the business or casting directors or whatever it is to catch up with the work that you've been doing or putting in, you know what I mean? And then all of a sudden it turns. And Andrew, I think that's really speaks to also like a lot of times people give up before it turns their way. And it's not because they lack talent or, you know, it's just, it can be brutal. Like sometimes it's, it's to me, it's always like the six or seven year breakthrough. You know what I mean? Like that's when things start to happen really. 
I remember when you, um, when I was still studying with you, when you were doing the director series and you had, um, um, oh my gosh, why am I drawing a blank on his last name? Peter, um, uh, Good Trouble and the Foster. Oh, Peter Page. Yeah. I don't know why I just blinked. Okay. Yeah, yeah, name, yeah. But, um, Peter Page was, uh, doing, he was one of your, one of your guest directors and I got the opportunity to, you know, do a scene for him and it was, it was one of the it was one of the the greatest experiences I had at your studio because I remember him talking about his trajectory in the business and at that point I was very much in a lower state where I was just like nothing is happening I've been doing this for so long I'm so frustrated I'm should I give up is this the right thing for me and he talked a lot about tenacity mm. and how tenacity more than more than anything else, more than talent, more than beauty, more than connections is really the, the, the key to, you know, really finding your footing in this business is to just keep going no matter what. And and he talked about how and, and of course, you've spoken about this so much over the years about how, um, you know, it's it's sticking to it. It's really just sticking to it and trusting that your timing is going to come into alignment with the moment, whatever that moment is, and things are just going to to pop for you. And it's so true. And I've seen it. I've, I'm watching it happen, not just with myself, but with a so lot many of, of my friends. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, you can't give up. You know, you just cannot give up. And it's it's difficult, I think, because we look at the external validation as internal validation that we're talented or you know what I mean but as you know and you've been working like it's also just such a crapshoot in many ways like it's not always talent based like the only thing we can control that's not even the right word but like the only thing we can manage or really work on is our uh, self-expression which equals talent right but that doesn't mean that it's not a meritocracy that's not always like you just said not looks, not connections, not, it just doesn't line up that way. Right. Like, so, and I mean, you've been on a lot of sets where I'm sure you're like, okay, wow, this is an interesting choice. Or this person is like maybe most right for the role and that's why they got it. Or, you know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. And even sometimes you get that when you're, when you're getting direction, because it's so different from what you would have you know, originally interpreted, of course. interpreted yeah. in the first scene. And then you have all of these different perspectives coming together to create this whole piece. And so sometimes just having the flexibility in that and, and saying, okay, well, maybe this wasn't what I felt like I was bringing to it, but there's something that they're recognizing in me that they're trying to, to draw out. So let me just trust in that. For sure. That's that I've, I've, definitely, I've definitely had to learn. And again, it goes back to, it goes back to so much of what I learned from working with you and, and really it's, I, I, I just want to pause for a second and just give you your flowers. No, no, no. I, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. You're gonna make me cry, but go ahead. <laughs> you know, I just, cause what, what I, what I've come to realize, especially recently is that, you know, so much of what you were, Oh, Tony, I love it. <laughs> well, we would have some knockdown drag out sometimes. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's and, and what I realized is that so much of it was just me living in the resistance, you know, just being in the resistance of what was being asked of me or what was what was calling to me because of the fear of stepping into the unknown. 
but the, 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 the courage that it takes to step into the unknown is that's where the magic happens. That's where you come alive. That's where you, you, you enter totality, which is the limitless possibility of expression. Wow. And that's, it's so simple, you know, like to say it now, but back then, again, when you're in the thick of it and you're hearing it and you're also kind of still in that, that fear and pain body, you can't quite hear it the same way. So like, there were so many ways in which I couldn't hear, like I knew what you were saying, but I didn't know how to apply it for myself. And now that I've learned how to do that through my experience and recalling a lot of those lessons, it's so simple. So just for everybody listening and watching, listen to Tony, Aww. he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, Andrea, it's also like for me as a teacher, like for you or for anybody, like I always teach from, I see what's in front of me, but I'm also holding space for the potential, right? So like, it's never that you were not, you were always just doing some really elevated work and we're always honest and what, look, I'm getting goosebumps. But for me, it was also like getting you to access, like for all of us, there are whole other micro worlds available to us when we let go of what is known, right? Like our stories, our fear, our resistance, right? And those are a lot of the things that I would talk about and say it that way or find a more allegorical way of saying it. But, but I like, but I also think for me, like my learning too is, is also, you know, Working with black artists also, for me as a white person, it's a very interesting dynamic of one person's trauma is another person's Tuesday, I'd like to say, right? Because I'm not walking in anybody else's shoes, right? And although I do feel like I teach from a very human perspective and from a place of compassion and love, like sometimes the resistance somebody might face has to do with in this case, systemic racism or oppression or being othered or you know what I mean? That are things that I'm not even necessarily I'm aware of as a humanitarian. Not that I'm a, that's kind of a very lofty title I'm giving myself, but as a human being, right? That That is a teacher of it, but also I haven't lived it. So it's, it's a tricky negotiation, right? Working with trying to elevate people past their stuff, no matter what it is. Yeah. And, and, and everything that you're saying, I mean, that's, that's the foundation of being an actor as well, because we're embodying people whose experiences we've never personally experienced, but we have to have the empathy and the compassion and the humanity to recognize, okay, this is what they're experiencing and recognize it without having any judgment about it because you can't have empathy and judgment at the same time and you can't embody a character that you're in judgment. That's right. Yeah. That's what's pulling you out of, out of the moment because instead you're in your head questioning their choices rather than um, getting to the heart of what it is that's driving those choices. That's so true. And, you know, and it's, it's, it's just so interesting to hear you speak about your, the, your, your teaching in that way, because that's also what, in my opinion, that's what the, that's what the work is. Yeah. Well, I do think it is also like, we're in an interesting time, right? Like, well, well, listen, I mean, I don't know. I didn't live 500 years ago or a thousand years ago, or, you know, I'm a storyteller just right now. We're plunked down right now at this moment in time, but I always feel like it's so fascinating being an artist, right? Because an artist is reflecting back to humanity, what it means to be human right now, but right now also encompasses 
all the nows ever created and lived from the beginning of time. Because we carry, like I was saying, I preface this by, by the Neanderthal story, but like we carry the ancestors with us. We carry, you know, not only our trauma and, but collective trauma. And, you know, like, so I find it really interesting, like at a meta level, how much stuff we have access to, you know what I mean? And maybe, maybe, maybe it's good we don't, like, I don't know what your philosophies are, but I'm always joking, like, maybe it's good I don't recall my past lives, because that would be a lot of shit I gotta unpack. <laughs> and I've got my hands full just with today. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Can you yeah. imagine, like, you unpacking your Roman warrior or your gladiator or whatever, you know what I mean? <laughs> Well, I mean, so, like, cause I started doing shadow work a couple of years okay. ago. Okay. And that was, that was, you know, what I think kind of like, not just elevated me as an individual to the next level, but yeah. took my, my acting to the next level and was the gateway into me finding even greater success was really just acknowledging those histories and, 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 and clearing those from my, you know, my, my, my genetic coding. Yeah. Because like you said, we do carry those histories and traumas in the cells of our bodies. That's what, when people talk about generational trauma, I mean, they're not just talking about the behaviors that are passed down. They're talking about the cell memory that's passed down as well. And so when you start doing that deep dive, that deep dive of that healing work, you really get to like reintegrate those things. And, and again, like bring it back to the oneness so that you're not being controlled by it, but you get to sit in observation of it and also deepen your empathy because of your awareness of it. Because I think that's what empathy is, is awareness without yeah. judgment. Yeah. And, and I think that's one of the, the main foundations of, of being, being an actor. Oh my God, this is blowing and, my... Go, go ahead, sorry. Yeah can't have compassion or empathy for someone else until you learn to have that for yourself. That's is it always starts with the self and before you can take on anything from anybody else outside of yourself. Mm. I mean, I love my mind. My mind is being blown. I love that you're like, I mean, a lot of times people early on or recently people would ask me if I was Jungian in my, my training or in my, the way I work with actors. And I never really had remembered Carl Jung's work because I do a lot of shadow work without necessarily even calling it shadow work. Right. But that is kind of the unconscious stuff we're bringing to the surface, which is really can be, yeah. Like you said, when you have a, a awareness about it, you just have a different dexterity to work with it. You're like, Oh, this doesn't define me. It's not right. And and also it reveals the other, which is the light. <laughs> like you can't, you can't have all the good stuff without also knowing the stuff that isn't good. That's it. I mean, I don't know who, one of my students the other day was like railing against like, why, who made this up this way? Like, you know, life, like to know joy is to also know suffering, to know heartache is to also know ecstasy, right? But and he was like, but why? Who had, to, who made it up? I was like, you need to talk to God. You need, to, I don't know. I can't answer that question for you. The you know what I mean? Yeah, the creator. But he could, he could know the answers himself. That's right. You know, he just, all of that's inside. That's right. All of that's inside. Like, Bingo. Clarity, really. Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, I used to, I kind of used to feel the same way, but now I understand that. And it's kind of like a great example of that is um, that movie, um, Inside Out. 
Oh, I loved Inside Out. Yeah, yeah. Like it was, and I've rewatched it a couple of times since the first time I see. Because you know, as you grow and expand, you see things with a different perspective or a different lens. And what's so beautiful about that movie is that really what it's talking about it's it's about the importance of polarity. Like you cannot appreciate the joy and the happiness in all of these bright ecstatic moments without without the sadness without the pain because it gives like a, a foil or a backdrop to amplify it and so and it's and that's what that's what we're doing when we're watching when we're we're watching um any any compelling television right. or movie or reading a book it's it's the conflict or it's the tension between the polarities that makes it so exciting that's right the light and dark yeah. you're right the shadow yeah I really love that movie. I maybe need to revisit that. I think it's also, I think, I think where our culture gets into trouble is that we we don't have a language or um, a discourse around feelings. Andrea, that's where I think, I you know, I did a movie a couple of years ago that's on Hulu that deals with gun violence, and I, I in my research about gun violence, a lot of times. Uh, they don't make this correlation, but because of the work that I've been doing with human beings for like close to 30 years, I find that a lot of violence can be traced back to a culture that doesn't allow authentic the expression and exploration of authentic feeling. So that when it's muted or oppressed at, at a certain level, mixed with mental health issue, mixed with, I don't know, a, a, a violent culture, it erupts into somebody getting a gun, like we just saw recently, right? And then going out and shooting people. And, and also this happens 90, I don't, more than 90% of the time with men, because men from a sociological, psychological, emotional place are told at very young ages that it's not okay to feel, right? So think about it. Young boys who feel like young girls do are brandished usually with you're gay, you're a queer, you're a sissy, that's effeminate. So just this natural human expression of feeling gets thwarted. And then the statistics have shown that as they develop into a teen and then late teens and early adulthood, they have a higher rate of suicide, depression, dropping out of school, um, um, like robberies and other offenses. So to me, you start to look at sort of the, uh, we don't look at the, the humanitarian aspect of our, our issues. You know what I mean? That's what I think is really fascinating about our culture, that we don't look at the source of where these things, it's always like a Band-Aid covering the, a policy that covers up something, which is maybe, yeah, that's right. That's, yeah, that's right. Yeah. I mean, I have always found that to be really fascinating. And, and in my work with men, I've noticed that where men have a harder time expressing, uh, it's like zero to 60, you know what I mean? And me trying to get them to live in other spaces besides, blowing up or shutting down <laughs> yeah yes exactly it's true and, and the really sad thing about it is that men they want they want to of course feel, they want it so bad but they don't feel safe because that's i think that's what it comes down to is do you feel safe to express and like you know women women get sh get shut down emotionally but in a very different way than a, in a very different way than men do like our emotions are kind of geared towards being in service or subservience to others. 
you know, that's the way our, our emotions tend to be utilized. And so we don't know how to use our emotions to serve ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, and I think that's why acting is also so alluring for a lot of people, especially for people who come from those backgrounds where they didn't get to feel fully expressed. I mean, that was, I think for me, that was one of the reasons why I was so drawn to it is because you know, my, my emotions in a lot of ways were, were repressed as a child. Mm. And so like, I, I wasn't allowed to be a fully expressed human individual. And so acting just sort of jumped out to me as this, this, this artistic outlet where it was not only safe, but celebrated to, to, to be in, in, uh, to allow yourself to emotionally express. And so you know, I do think that you're, you're, I agree with you 100% about how the culture doesn't really address those things that we talk about things on a very, very surface level without getting to the root. And that's, that's some of the, I have that frustration as well, because even just in, you know, social situations where we're talking about things, when you, when you, when you really start to get to the heart of things, the conversation will often get shut down mm -hmm. because it starts to trigger those, those shadow responses in people that they're just not willing to deal with. So if people aren't willing to deal with it on an individual level. How can we possibly deal with it on a collective level? I mean, that's a good point. I have no tolerance for those kind of, you know, the one thing about COVID <laughs> is we haven't had to go to parties that are superficial and you don't, you can't talk to anybody about real things. You know, I, I, I just can't, I, I just can't, I mean, maybe because I'm surrounded by artists and we have these kind of conversations. So for me, I've been in a bubble of like, I real. I had epiphany about that a couple of years ago. I was like, oh my God, the rest of the world does not think like we think like at our schools because it's such an incubator of forward thinking and compassion and and creativity, right? And and lots of things. And then you go out into the real world and you're like, oh my God. <laughs> it's hard. It's really hard. And the business is also sort of... Um, this is like that in a yeah, lot of ways. No, too. a lot of ways. It's I always say, Andrea, it's like show yeah. business, show yeah. entertainment business. Yes. And, yes. And, and, and a lot of people do not have the tolerance for the artistic part of it. You know what I mean? Not, not artists. I'm talking about like the business side of it. They don't care. It's a, they see it as a business, you know? Yeah. As long as it shows up on the screen, they don't care how it got. That's there. right. It's yeah. Like, that's totally it. Just make sure it's on the screen. Yeah. That's, that's really, well, that's and, that. and also on the screen equals money. So to me, it's always, and it's not always even about the, artistic merit of something as long as it you know what I mean I mean that's a whole other conversation about capitalism and how I think capitalism is so has has led us to so many of the issues that we are also facing right and and our constant drive toward money at the the expense of exploiting people and nature and resources and do you know what I mean it's it's really it's all so connected in such a complex and disheartening way sometimes, you know? I, I think, you know, going like go, talking about COVID again, I think that this is a beautiful thing about what, what, cause you know, COVID it's, it's sort of like, it's kind of like just, just with the rest of life, it's a choose your own adventure game. True. So when you look at the kinds of experiences that people have been having for the last year, it's really based on their own perceptions of their, of their reality. So 
Some people are in, um, in, a, in a fearful mind, fearful body, um, very disconnected. Um, of course, unwilling to, to look at themselves and their own behaviors and how that has contributed to what they've manifested. Because I, I personally believe that, you know, we are all conscious creators. We are all responsible for being the masters of our own universes. And so you have to take responsibility for the life you're experiencing, right? And so the people who are unwilling to do that or don't have the tools to do that are having a very, very hard time and have been having a very, they were probably having a hard time before, before but now it's just amplified, you know, a hundredfold. Whereas the people who were on that path of, of self-reflection before, or at least recognized the energy that was being called in in the last year and started to tap into that are having a completely different experience. I have so many friends, including myself, who say that 2020 was the best year of their lives. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I, and, and I think that that's just, it's based on how you not only choose to see yourself, but how do you choose to see the world and how you choose to take responsibility for what you're co-creating in this matrix. Yeah, you just said it. I think it is about accountability, right? And, and it's hard because it's easy to blame everybody and anybody, a thing, a government, a system, a, a business, a, a, the majority, anything, right? Like it's, and yet when you get to the granular, we just, all we can do is work on ourselves, our own. It doesn't mean, you know, for our listeners, like it doesn't mean that we don't make mistakes. It just means like you can get clear on like, oh shit. Yeah, that was, I aired and that was my bad or whatever. You know what I mean? It's just really... It actually becomes a freer way to move through the world, too, because you're not carrying with you grievances and, right? Like, what's the Buddhist saying about forgiveness? And I'm kind of maybe making up my own version of it. But, like, it's true when you're, when you don't forgive someone, that person is not walking around, first of all, thinking about you all the time. You're carrying the burden with you. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 I think there's a, there's a quote. I don't, I don't remember... I don't remember who it's attributed to, but it basically says um, holding on to anger is like holding well, on to a hot That's stone. what I was just going to say. Yes. Yes. Wait, you broke up. So say it again. Holding on to anger is like holding on to a hot stone, hoping it burns the other person, but you're the only one that gets burned. That's right. That's literally the Buddhist quote I was going to use. And then I went off on my own. <laughs> Thank you, Buddhist Andrea. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things that you hear over and over again and there's a part of you that resonates with it but it doesn't understand exactly how it applies to your life yeah but as soon as you're able to integrate that into your life it's just it clicks and everything makes sense everything falls into place from there yeah it's so true i mean i also think as you get older too like your like life lessons become it gets simpler and then you're like oh my god it's just like you were saying about class. I find that class and the way we instruct actors is so simple, but it takes a lot. It's like wax on, wax off, right? Like it takes a lot of like uh, undoing until you can get to that place, right? Because we've put so much on us and it's really, I think acting is the art of removing all the stuff that we've put on. And then you get yes. to, yeah. And then you get to this core of the, these beautiful people, right? But let's talk. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Today's podcast episode is sponsored by We Audition. Receive 25% off with the promo code AMAW on weaudition.com. The video chat community to audition, rehearse, self-tape, and get advice 
and hopefully book the fucking job. To add on to that, one of my um, one of my other teachers, you know, she's she's sort of like um, like a life teacher, but she also teaches acting and human behavior and all of that. Um, she says that you know she she gives it this, and I'm not I'm not going to say it as eloquently as she does, or maybe I will. Who knows? Um, but she. <laughs> She talks about, um, cause what you're talking about that process of undoing, she says, it's like, you know, when you're, when you're like a sculptor, you know, they're not, they're not creating a sculpture. They're not, um, putting something together. They're just That's removing right. what doesn't belong. That's right. And then they're left with this, this masterpiece. That's right. It's, we are all the Michelangelo's and the David's, you know what I mean? We are the artists and we are the art being chiseled away. Yeah, I love that. yeah. It's really I didn't make that up, but because that, but that is something that I have, I'm working on a new book right now, and that is one of my chapters about we are all the Michelangelo and David. Yeah, he had this gigantic stone slab hauled in from Verona or somewhere, and then he's like, you know, can you imagine like looking at like a square piece of marble, and then in there is like you know the god or the goddess. Yeah, no, and I, I know. Imagine. I can't even imagine. That's crazy. But actually, you can because you're doing it, Andrew. Because like acting yeah. is writing, acting, creating, whatever is. Uh, we essentially do have a blank canvas. Yes, the actors have these lines, and sometimes, well, a lot of times, I'm always telling, reminding people, it's the lines are really neutral in a way. So it's still a blank canvas, and then what you bring to the situation, the lines is uniquely yours. So you are shaping it. You know. But let's talk, let's talk about NCIS and like, how was that to, to, you did like 22 episodes. That's crazy. You probably got a house out of that, I hope. (laughs) (laughs) I did not get a house out of that. I I definitely got some, some comfort and ease and stability and. Goodbye college debt, whatever. I got to, I got to quit working in restaurants. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, amazing. Yes. Being amazing. I was 30 when I booked NCIS LA. I was still waitressing when I when I booked oh. that job. So it, it gave me it gave me a lot. It was NCIS LA was it was one of the hardest experiences of my life. And I talked I talked about this a little bit on my Instagram. I did like a, a Q&A oh, yeah. video. Okay. Um it was, it was um well for one the the audition experience was it's so in line with what we're talking about about um just the, not just the alignment that is necessary for a lot of these, um, these breakthroughs that happen in careers, but also just really being present and in the moment. And, you know, what was so cool about it was that the role that I got, I was not the role that I originally auditioned for. I originally went in for a one day guest star on the show playing a nightclub manager, just, you know, that was her name, nightclub manager. Okay. And straight to producers for it and you know I had my little two three page scene and I wore like a really you know pretty jumpsuit and makeup and big hoop earrings and was looking great and all of that and I went in being a nightclub manager and I had done you know a couple procedurals before I've watched hundreds and hundreds of episodes of course so I kind of knew like okay this is I know how to do this like I know how to book a co-star or a guest star on a procedural yeah (laughs) I went into the room and I just recently cut all my hair off. And um, when I did my audition, you know, as soon as I, as soon as I, I, I finished, you know, the cast or the the showrunner uh, 
uh, Scott Gemmel leaned over to the casting director, uh, J Jason Kennedy, and oh, yeah. like said something to him. And then Jason was just like, oh, well, um, you know, Scott wants you to come back and he wants you to read for the role of Agent Hidoko. And I was just like, oh, okay. Because like, when I walked in, there were, you know, six or seven, you know, Asian women sitting in, in, the, in the waiting room. And so I was like, oh yeah, they're, 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 that's not what I'm going in for. They're, they were in suits and, you know, button downs and all that. I was like, they're special agents. I am not special agent. But what, what I learned from that experience was that, you know, I, I read, I did a cold read that day, got a call back, came back, was so nervous. Like, I remember like my leg shaking. I'm during that audition. I was so nervous, but I got the part. And when I met with Scott afterwards, you know, he told me that my confidence, like my confidence when I walked in and just like my groundedness in that character immediately made me think of, made him think of me for the other role. Uh -huh. He was envisioned, envisioned in a completely different way. I embodied her simply by the way that I walked into the room. And then he's, he was, he loved my haircut. He thought that it was really um, ballsy to like have a, have a buzz cut. And it's just like, there was something that sparked in him that had him call me in uh, for, or uh, ask me to read for that role. And it was so interesting because, you know, I almost said no to that audition. Oh my gosh. Why? I almost said no to the audition because when, when I got it, I was frustrated that it was that I was just going in for yet another one day guest Small star. role, yeah. Mm -hmm. I was just like, when am I going to get my upgrade? The series regular, gonna... yeah. No, like, and it didn't even have to be series regular. When am I going to get yeah. like, a recurring? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, and I was frustrated. And my boy, I remember I could cry. And my boyfriend at the time was just like, babe, you know, it's it's kind of been a slow summer. I know that you you've been working really hard, and I know you're trying to get to that next level. But they brought you straight to producers, which means they remembered you and they like you. Just go in and have fun. And if you and if you book it and you don't want to do it, you can just say no. You don't have to do it, even if you book it. And I was just like, you're so right. Okay, fine. And it's just so interesting that I almost threw away a major, major experience because it wasn't what I perceived it to be. Mm -hmm. Like you don't know at the moment mm -hmm. what something is going to turn out to be. So even like judging, judging an audition sometimes can be, can be detrimental because it may not be that particular role that you're being moved into alignment for. You might be getting this audition because it's lining you up for something even better. That's right. And so when you have a judgment about that, you're it's not you're, you're blocking your blessings. Yeah. In a, in a lot. So that was a huge, huge, huge lesson for me. Just and that's just the audition. Like getting on the show and starting that, that was like a whole other beast. But um well, Andrea, I yeah, want to hear. Was... I want to hear about that. Sorry, but I just wanted to make one comment, and then I want to hear more. But like, uh, I think yeah, it always speaks to what I remind actors is you're not auditioning for a, a, you know, a role or a job. You're auditioning for your career, and it's literally. I'm sure you'd gone in for that show f times before that. Do you know what I mean? Or maybe I mean I know a lot of people. Some people from the studio, this one guy had gone in 17 times to NCIS before he booked. So it's yeah. just, again, it's numbers. It's people getting to know you. It's getting to see that you're flexible. I also love that they gave you material right then and there. And because you cold read, 
<laughs> AMAWA. By the way, there was a, a something that one of my students just posted that Sarah uh, Polly, this Canadian actress, I don't know if you know her, she's also a filmmaker now, but she's been acting since she was very young. And she posted something recently, like this week, where she said, okay, I'm just going to say it. To, to, to make actors be off book for auditions is the most ridiculous thing I have ever, ever like seen or like why. And then Judd Apatow agreed and he was like, yeah, and they should be given multiple opportunities to, to like, they were talking about in the room, let's say, just try it another way and try it again. Because again, like these things that are stacked against our own being weirdly human, you know what I mean? So, but I, I just love that philosophy because as you know, at the school, I've been teaching that way for 25 years of like, we work with material in hand because God bless you, you, you were prepared. It doesn't mean you're still not prepared. You're prepared for that role. But then in the moment they're like, you know what? I think you'd be a really great private agent here. Take that. Right. So then you got it. Mm -hmm. So then came the real work. You're like, what the hell have I signed up for? It's a lot. It is. It was a lot. And it was funny because I love, I always loved, um, action and I'd always wanted to do action and so it really was in a lot of ways a, a dream role and you know the, the character was originally um I think it was billed as like six episodes like six episodes okay recurring. wow uh-huh and, and then when I when I got it you know they they pinned me immediately for for six episodes and then after I think my second or third episode, it was just like, oh, is she available for the next one? Is she available available for the next one? And then so after like seven or eight episodes, my agents were like, wait a second. <laughs> let's uh, let's check. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because this is obviously a much bigger deal than you guys initially, you know, intended. So yeah, yeah. Like go back to the drawing board. And so you know, they, they got me, um, they, they renegotiated because at first I was just making scale, right. you know, I was like, um, but scale. And, and then, um, I got a renegotiation where they gave me a pay bump and then I basically got like a full, like I got a full season. I got pinned for the whole season. Wow. And so they, they gave me, so I knew I was like, okay, well I'm now doing the whole season. And it was, it was wonderful. And about um, halfway through, they offered me a contract for series regular for the next season. And now this is where it gets a little <laughs> the tricky. More dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> so it was, you know, how do I say it? Number one, I had, I had a great, I had a really great time working on the show. And with that said, it was also extremely challenging in a lot of ways. It was, it was very physically demanding and it was very emotionally taxing as well because the, I had never worked hours like that before on mm -hmm. a consistent basis. Mm -hmm. I had never done action like that. I was doing 90% of my own stunts Wow! and you know, I, I, I had never, I had never built a character for the, from the ground up mm -hmm. in that way either. And then on top of that, there were some there were some personal things that were happening on the set that were very very emotionally draining for me. And at that time, I just didn't have the tools to deal with it. I was still, you know, I was still dealing with a lot of you know uh, anger and 
and you know unhealed trauma in my own life that was kind of like reflecting outward and have given me a hard time with what I was dealing with on the show and so ultimately it ended up it ended up not working out you know I could go I could go a lot deeper into it but I take responsibility oh no the gardeners are here oh it's okay I can't hear it (laughs) (laughs) but it was it was it ended up being you know, even though it was very, very difficult um, and very emotionally draining in a lot of ways, it was such a lesson for me because I learned that, you know, sometimes what you think you want is not, it's what, not you what you want. want. Mm. You know, and sometimes you have to get it in order to realize mm. that this isn't for me. And so one of the things that I learned was that I do not want to be on a show for seven months. I just that was like your whole life is gone. And a lot of people for a lot of actors, especially younger actors, the Holy grail is being a series regular on network TV. Right. And that's what I had always seen as like the Holy grail because you're thinking about the money and the consistent work and all of that. But then the trade off was your whole life is gone. Like Mm. you couldn't even, I couldn't even book doctor's appointments because I never knew what my schedule was going to be. We're getting the new, the next episode the day before we start filming the next episode. Like literally I'm going to work the next, the next day and I'm getting the script at that night. Yeah. Yeah. So you're actually working at night. Yeah. Exactly. So you're work, you're filming all day yeah. and then getting this, just now getting the script. And so you're getting home after being on set for 12 or 14 hours and you're having to learn two or three scenes for the very next day. And so there were things, there were all these little things that I started to learn that I was just like, wait a second, like, this is great. And I have this experience to learn that this isn't the experience that I, that I really want to have. I don't want to have a seven year contract where this is what my life looks like for seven months out of the year. And so it was, it was, it's that, again, it's that push and pull. It's the good and the bad. It's the polarity that you have to experience in order to get more awareness and clarity about your world and what you want to create for yourself. And so I, I'm so grateful for, for the show and, and, and the work that I did and the, the cast and the crew and everyone are absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal people. They work so hard. They're so loving and welcoming. And, you know, I would never, I would never take back that experience, but it was hard. Mm. Well, Andrea, <laughs> I love, really- no, I love that you're talking about it because I do think you're just bringing up a lot of really amazing points. And also, like maybe your big aha is, yeah, you don't want to be on a series maybe, or at least right now, maybe this will change. Like, right, everything is in flux, right? But but to be on a show that shoots 22 episodes or how many episodes, you know what I mean? Like, maybe you're not equipped wanting emotionally wanting to to do that kind of stuff like i think sometimes when you watch those kind of shows because it's also a very formulaic show it doesn't mean it's bad but it does follow a formula a lot of those people who are on those shows they've been on them for a long time so they get into that space of but you're right it is really it's a lot it is a lot i mean i've talked to other people who have who have experienced i have one student uh, who was on one of those kind of spinoff shows and they shot in Chicago and she shot like, she was on it for a couple of years and she was like, I'm, it was hard for her for a lot of the same reasons that you're bringing up, like a lot, you know what I mean? And it was a huge breakthrough for her because she got it very early in her career. And of course, like you said, it's what you think you want and then you get it and then you're like, oh my God. 
You know what I mean? It's, yes. But I think it's also super exciting because you worked, you were a series regular, like you were, you delivered episode after episode. So it shows like your work ethic and what you can do. You know what I mean? Like, and and also just the learning of all of that, just like having to knock it out and having to like, I mean, stunts is a whole other thing I can't even comment on because that's a whole other area, right? But like, just like, I, I love like, yes, you just did a 12 hour day or 15 hour day and then you come home and then you're like, oh shit, now I got to like prepare the sides for tomorrow. And like, so constantly being in that workflow state and like being able to deliver work that sometimes is not mm, supportive of the actor doing their best work. That's the thing. It's like it's like anything that's very formulaic because it's a machine, right? Those are machine shows that really are cash cows for these networks, right? And so they have a system, an assembly line system that delivers product that makes the company money. And you're part of that industrial complex in a way, you know? It's like soap opera work. Like you heard. Go ahead. Sorry. It is. It is. It's a machine. That's, yeah, that's it's it. a machine. I mean, those shows make CBS or whatever networks they're on. They are like the backbone of their entertainment. I think, uh, you know, money making. Yeah. They're very lucrative. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's their. I think that's one of their most successful shows. I would yeah. say probably top three. Yeah. Of their most their most lucrative shows because it's 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 a global behemoth oh gosh yeah that's right i mean and the fandom is the fandom is massive i'm still getting followers and dms and comments on social media from from fans of the show um who are just like i love you so much and i wish you were still on the show i just finally watched your season oh my god like People, people love, love, love that show. Because, like, some countries, they get it, like... Three years later, yeah. Yeah, they get it so much later. So you have people in, like, Croatia that yeah. are just now watching the season that I did a couple of years ago, and they're, like, new fans, and I'm like, what else are you in? And it's so interesting. That's funny. It's You're so a star. You're a star in Germany right now. <laughs> yes, yes. I have, like, there are so many fans from all over. Oh, my God, so I love many. it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think and it's... Also, yeah, go ahead. Kind of like the like one of the one of the best things that I got out of it, and I kind of touched on that a little bit earlier, was even just like making a little bit more money. You know, like I made I made like a good chunk of money, and even when because um, I didn't end up being a series regular that second season, they didn't pull they didn't execute my contract for the next season, and so I only did I did one season on the show, and then I was basically unemployed. I didn't work again for over a year uh-huh. and then I did a guest star role on Dynasty but in that in that time and then it was like another it was almost another year before I booked Run the World the show that I am a regular on I'm, I'm one of the stars of that show um, and so it was about it was almost two years where I basically had a lot of downtime where I was confronted with other experiences in my life that forced me to really look at myself and take responsibility for myself and the things that I had created, the resistance that I had been in, my my anger, 
my um, any of my resentments for certain things, just like my, my victim mentality, my mm. scarcity mentality, all of these things mm-hmm. that I had been programmed with that were um, causing me to manifest, you know, not so high vibrational experiences. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I just started doing, I just went deep into myself and started doing a lot of work on myself. I started doing shadow work. I got into meditation practice, yoga, um, therapy. I mean, really just focusing on Andrea and and deconstructing and like un, undoing all of the, the unnecessary, you know, mar- pulling away all the unnecessary marble to get to the sculpture that is sitting before you right now. Mm. And, and, and in doing so, I was able to call in something that was much more in alignment with my truest heart desires. And it goes back to, you know, thinking I wanted what I had on NCISLA, getting it, realizing, whoa, this is not what I want. And then being able to uh, achieve the clarity to manifest what I actually wanted. And who knows what I'm going to want in five That's years, right. but for right now, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in alignment. And, you know, I manifested a show that is, you know, that our, our, our creator is a black woman. All of the stars are, are black, black women. Mm. Our showrunner is a black woman. I work, I worked for two months, you know, instead of seven and made significantly more money, had so much more creative freedom of, 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 of like, it, it really was much more artistically expressive and I'm telling stories that I think are really, really going to be instrumental in helping to like shift the culture forward, which in CISLA serves its purpose, but that's not its purpose. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I get and it. And what I'm going to do is in align with that purpose. And, and it's because of that experience that I had on the show that allowed me to achieve the clarity that brought me into where I'm, where I'm sitting right now. So it's like, Everything is working in your favor, even when it doesn't feel like always, it, Always, right? yes, always. It's very difficult. Human beings are so reactive to the moment, right? And also, like, it's trying to affix sort of neutrality over all things, right? Because it's just all a part of the chain of our lives, the, the sort of the, I don't know, the continuum of our lives, right? It's neither good nor bad. It just is. Because you look back and you're like, oh, had that not happened, even though in the moment it was quote unquote bad, it led to this whatever, right? Like, and what's the, I mean, what's the Einstein saying? Like everything, uh, all things, oh God, I'm going to just destroy it. But all things that, oh no, I'm, 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 I'm not, I'm scared to commit so I can hear it. But, but something like, well, (laughs) all things that matter, you can't count and all things that count don't matter. Meaning, right? Like sometimes, like you just said, like oftentimes again in our business, you think that the thing that really matters was booking that job, which is a high profile job. But then you realize like, okay, it, it, it means something, but what it means beyond that thing is something that can't always be uh, counted in the way or measured in the way that we think success is supposed to look like, right? Like success is, again, a continuum of not just the external victories, but our internal growth and understanding and awareness and, yeah. I mean, Andrea, this is a really inspiring conversation. I'm serious. Like, it's really what I need to hear as well. Like, always, like, reminding ourselves that 
it's all the mosaic of our lives is really, it's all part of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to just go with the flow. We have to, it's hard. Yeah. You have to breathe and go with the flow. I put, but I posted something today on Instagram because I think it's true. I think we, we get thrown off course because we are all suggestible by culture, but culture is insane. I'm always saying the inmates are running the asylum. And so we are taking our cues by the, the insanity of people who are making decisions that we then feel like we have to fall in line with. That's why maybe for you, this, this new show, not just be, well, partly because it's black uh, uh, created and black voices and black stories. And so it feels more in alignment with something that is a feedback loop of kind of where you are and what you want to be about. But, 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 but that's, to me, it's so interesting about how hopefully that kind of um, more personal storytelling is starting to break through, right? As opposed to these behemoths that you're talking about, the, the gigantic sort of cultural drive. Again, it's all connected. Capitalism, the drive and money and commerce as opposed to the personal. And the personal can also be successful. I'm not, it's not, they don't have to be mutually exclusive. It's just, it's harder. It's, it's breaking through now, but the personal is so much, the idiosyncratic, the different, the othering of stories is, is more difficult because when culture is driven by only one thing, it doesn't see that something else, there's a place for something else. You get what I'm saying. I don't know how well I said all that, but perfect sense. Yeah. You're making perfect yeah. sense. And what I love, what I love about this, this show is that, because like one thing that I came to realize after, after doing that show is that, you know, even like my aspirations of being, being an action star, you know, like number one, I know that I would be a bomb action star. Like I was great on NCIS LA, patting myself on the back. Yeah. I was great. On yeah. that <laughs> and I, it's, I'm like, I, that's something that I can do. And I'm glad that I got to have that experience, but it also made me realize that, you know, with, with the growth that I've experienced and the new lens that I see the world, you know, I'm not, I'm not, if the violence does not interest me anymore, Mm -hmm. like I didn't realize how violent Mm. a lot of, I mean, I knew how violent our programming is, but being in that and like just the sheer number of people that get killed. Glorifying it. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like we're the heroes that are taking down all these bad guys, but it's just like it's just a it's a lot of senseless death. Like yeah. even my character gets killed off in a really really gruesome way. And like the thing is, like the, with that, like that felt that felt kind of personal. Uh, <laughs> that felt a little personal. Um, but you know what I'm saying. And 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 that was also something that I that kind of like was really jarring for me was that you know someone you know. In, a, in in trying to like prove a point would would do that mm, to to mm-hmm, a character mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying like that to me was really I, I I just thought that it was I thought it was dark I thought it was very very dark and I just don't want to be a part I don't I don't want to be a part of that anymore you know I want to be a part of something that is again like moving the consciousness forward and you know run the world is it's so it's so joyful. 
it's so uplifting. Like we're talking about real things. We're having real experiences. We're going through, you know, our own hardships, but it's rooted in, in this really beautiful, um, strength and optimism mm. that I think is missing in a lot of programming. Like a lot of television is just really dark right now. And I think that it's, it's kind of like serving to like reinforce the upside down nature of our, of our society and like further solidifying that. And so I do think that again, like going back to polarity, when, when the pendulum swings too far in one direction, it has no choice but to start swinging back in the opposite direction. Mm. And I think that's what's happening is the pendulum is going to start swinging back again. I mean, I love what you're saying. I mean, you were so on point. I think it's also like a lot of programming is unconscious. And it's the goal is to keep us unconscious. Because if we continue to stay unawake, we don't want to speak out about Trans Lives Matters, Black Lives Matters, Asian Lives Matters, climate collapse, immigration rights. You see what I'm saying? Like, I'm not saying that programming is that um, covert, that it's trying to undo sort of uh, social movements or social awareness. But I do find like, again, I find like overall we're obsessed with violence in our culture. There's this really great, um, and you were just speaking to that about a sh that, that these kind of shows. I think like, it is a feedback loop that America is very much about. There's this amazing Vietnamese American poet called, uh, his, his name is Ocean Biong. I think I pronounced that right. Yeah. And, and um, yeah, Ocean Biong. And he talks about like, and it's, it's so interesting because we use in our language, Andrea, think about it. You're killing it. And mm -hmm. right. And like, you 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 slayed and all these words i actually like a couple of weeks ago i posted something on instagram and i was like i don't want to keep telling people that they using a weaponizing word for how elevated and inspiring you are and so i asked people you know do you have any other ideas of what i can say when i'm commending someone and it was a really but it's so fascinating that we use these words without any kind of conscious awareness, myself included, of like, whoa, that's embedded in American culture, right? And programming and what we consume. And so, I mean, I could talk with you for hours. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. I, I, I agree with you. And, you know, I've become, I've become much more intentional about the way that I uh -huh. speak and the way use because you know one of the things that i realized is that words are spells you're casting spells with the words that you speak it. and because words have meaning they have etymology and it's not just that they have etymology they have vibrations because everything in in our in our existence is 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 energetic it's energy based it has a vibration as a frequency and our words especially have a frequency to them and so when you're saying certain words, you're emitting an energetic frequency that's, you know, helping to like manipulate the, the do you hear that? Is that too loud? No, no, no. I don't hear it. <laughs> He's right there with the sleep floor. Okay. <laughs> you know, that, that are, you know, those words are manipulating um, the, the cosmos and they're creating again, like what it is that, what it is that we see around here. And I do want to, you know, just add in really quick, cause you touched on like certain like social justice movements, like black lives matter and all of that Asian lives matter. But we have to like, though we have to be careful with those as well, because when people start 
you know, putting like putting these um, these these narratives out of how like we're supposed to see the world or how we're supposed to see others or how we're supposed to see other groups, you kind of do the same thing in that when you swing the pendulum too far in that direction, you're you're beginning to force those onto other people without allowing people to come to those conclusions on, on their own. own. And so like the violence is one end of the spectrum, but then the like social justice is the other end where you're force feeding ideas to people, which really you're creating more you're just creating more resistance, resistance. You're, you're creating the very thing that you're trying to, yeah. to eliminate yeah and we have to be very, very careful with that because i stopped watching shows because i felt like they were overly woke you know mm. what i'm saying where they're trying to force feed me these ideas of how i'm supposed to see the world or certain groups mm. or certain ideologies and to me that's just as destructive and and, and in some ways violent as as the the physical like graphic violence mm. that we see in a lot of tv shows and movies i mean this is a really interesting point andrea you know like what is it called like uh, oh god what's the word for it like when 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 people I, I think social media has run amok with people trying to virtue signaling right like and again i'm just i'm trying to make my way through all of that as well but like then then also the shame that is brought upon if you like you don't feel you don't know how to say something or you don't know what to support or i, I think you're disagree because you're allowed to disagree like, that's right I don't, like a few years ago yeah i would have been probably like on someone's case about not agreeing with me about xyz and now i'm in a place where i understand that number one we're all here for our own journey that's right we're all here for our own purpose and not everybody is going to see things the same way and it's that spectrum that polarity spectrum that allows the world to be the beauty like because again it's like yeah the world is really really dark and fucked up in a lot of ways but this world is also very beautiful and majestic in so many ways i would say there's a lot more beauty in the world than there is darkness but we especially in terms of our entertainment and what we choose to consume is more rooted in the dark and that darkness is the violence but it's also this idea that i can force people to see the world the way that i, I see, see the it world, mm -hmm. which only leads to more chaos and, and division mm. so I, in the in the coming in the coming months and years will you be my teacher <laughs> <laughs> listen we're all students and we're all teachers, i know no right? yeah absolutely yeah there's an indian saying that i love that the teacher and the taught together create the teaching mm. and so the it's the roles are constantly it's so fluid right like you teach me and i teach you and together this feedback loop yeah i'm getting goosebumps but you're really on point this is a really great podcast people okay let's do a speed round let's do a speed round yeah, because I mean, we've already talked for an hour and I could go forever with you, but I do feel like people's attention spans, I know it's crazy, but people's attention spans are like 10 minutes. They're going to be like, I've had enough of Andrea and Tony's philosophical get together. Okay. No, it was really great. <laughs> okay. If you weren't an actor, what would you be? Teacher. Aw, I see that. I guess I'm a teacher. Yeah, you are a teacher. Yeah. Yeah. What's your favorite film of all time, or just favorite film? That's so insane that I asked that. The first thing that came to my head was uh, Crooklyn by Spike Lee. Oh my God, I've never seen that Spike Lee movie. Oh, can I can I can I talk about it for like? A yes, minute? of course. Um, Crook I forget was what it year it was made. In, the nineties, nineties. 
Yeah, and it takes place in, in 1970s uh, Brooklyn, and it's basically um, it's it's sort of a it, it's a it's a film about a black about a black family in 1970s Brooklyn, but it's told through the eyes of their of the daughter who's like the middle child. She has like four brothers, and she's the only girl. And it's kind of told through her eyes. She's about, I think in the film, she's like nine or 10 years old. And her mom is played by um, Alfred Woodard. Oh, mm -hmm. And um, I can't, I'm drawing a blank on the the, the dad's name. He's, if, if you saw his face, you would immediately recognize him. He's a beautiful, brilliant actor. But I remember seeing that movie um, when I was, it came out when I was about the same age as the, the protagonist. I was like 10. And that was one of the movies that, made me want to become an actor Aww. and so like, kind of like it's it has such a place in my heart but it is it's incredible it, it's one of Spike Lee's best movies okay I mean I know of it I just have never seen it I'll I'll check it out on Amazon I'm sure it's on Amazon okay yeah so um what's okay, no 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 first. I love it I mean I love Spike Lee I mean he's still continuing to do really great stuff you know what I mean and he's been in the business for a long time and has faced a lot of obstacles and like, you know, telling stories that matter. Yeah, the nineties. Sure. Yeah, he did a lot of great stuff in the nineties. He did. He did. <laughs> What's one thing you can't do without? Right now, my juicer. <laughs> okay. I was scared you were gonna I was scared I've had the last three podcasts, my guests have said chapstick, and I was like, if one more person says chapstick, I'm gonna lose my mind. Okay. They've all been girls. All girls are like chapstick. <laughs> Who's your celebrity crush? It could be man or woman. I don't have a celebrity crush. No? Okay. Spike Lee, a little bit, maybe. Maybe. Okay. Alfre Woodard. My celebrity crush, I would say it's my 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 love interest in 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 Run the World, Nick Sagar. That's my celebrity crush. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I don't, I'm going to, I'm going to, and when we're done here, I want to ask about this show, but uh, how do, would you describe acting in one word? Freeing. Freeing. What scares you the most? Not living a fully expressed life. Aw. What's something that you learn from me or being at the studio? <sighs> to step into the power of the unknown. Aw, yes. You listened, Andrea. <laughs> <laughs> And how would you, what's your definition of love? Recognition of the God, the God that lives in you within another person. Namaste. <laughs> My definition of love is, I always say, just this moment right now. Mm. So Andrea, tell, tell your, our listeners, like, so what's the name of the new show? Has it come out yet? Not yet. Not it's yet. coming out. I have, I have a date, but I'm but, not allowed that's to okay. say but I will say very, very soon. What's it called? Um, it's called Run the World. Can you say the, where it's going to be or no yet? It's going to be on Stars, and I can sell it. Okay, a amazing. Um, I like to tell people that it's kind of um, think sex in the city meets girlfriends. It's a half-hour mm. comedy, and it's about four women who um, all live in Harlem. They're best friends, and it just details, you know, their individual lives, their relationships, career, and also their lives together as friends, the ups and downs that they go through, the, um, the, the dynamics of society, black culture, and just kind of illustrating everything in a really, really funny way. My character's name is Ella. She's sort of like, if you're going to compare her to anyone, she'd be like the, the Carrie Bradshaw or the Joan of the group. 
and um, she's a writer. She's very funny. She's uh, when the when the show begins, she's kind of like at rock bottom. She had a really major setback in her career and in her relationships, and she's just sort of like trying to pick up the pieces and get her get her footing back under her. Oh my god, I cannot wait. Well, maybe. It's a- Maybe by the time we are ready to release this podcast, we'll you'll, you'll let me know, and we'll we can always update the information. So that's awesome. And then, where can uh, people find you, like on socials? They can find me on Instagram. Uh, my handle is at Andrea Bordeaux. I have a Twitter account, but I don't tweet. I yeah. only scroll. I don't even like things because I don't because people are really nosy about what you like on Twitter. It's just weird to me. So my account is private on Twitter, but um, if you want to connect with me on social media, then Instagram would be the way to go. Um, I do answer my DMs and I'm also, I love Clubhouse. I don't speak very often on Clubhouse, but when I do speak, you it would be good to be in the room because I'd be dropping some gems. Yes, we should do one together. I've done quite a few. Yeah. Yeah, I'll... That's how we talked about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Also, I think it's important because on Clubhouse, because sometimes there's some crazy ass information people are sharing. And I was like, oh, God, please don't listen to that. Like, you know what I mean? So it's important. Yeah, there's there's a lot of people. God bless, because it may be one person hears what exactly they need to hear from that. You know what I mean? But sometimes I'm like, oh no, don't give actors, like, I think it's important to keep inspiring actors in the right direction. So yeah, dropping really great truth bombs is amazing. Um, So, okay, Andrea, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. And again, Tony, I just want you to know how grateful I am for you and your presence in my life and everything that you've taught me over the years and I love you so much. I love you. I'm just, I'm I'm so grateful for you. And I, I mean, and I'm, I, I very much appreciate who you are as, as an individual and the light that you are projecting into the world is so needed. Thank you. So thank you for being here. Thank you. Thanks for listening to in the moment. Don't forget to rate review and subscribe for more.